Hello. 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 Hello, left ear. Hello, right ear. So today I've changed my microphone setup just a little bit, but I've ho- hopefully it should be still coming through crystal clear. Anyway, I am doing... This is another episode, of course, of the Big Pezza Podcast. I'm your host, Big Pezza. Thank you very much again for tuning in, all four of you listeners out there. Okay, I think it's I'm, I think it's actually 14. So hello, all 14 listeners out here. Why do I do these podcasts? Well, the patrons who support the channel really like them. Well, some of them do. A couple of them do. Three or four of them do. And as you pay the big bucks, I guess I should... And these are not particularly that hard to make. So I thought I would make another one. Now, if you're listening to this, then this is, um, I'm trying to plan ahead because next weekend I'm actually away camping. Oh yes, very exciting stuff. Um, and what I plan to do, if you can just hear that, I'm just refilling my coffee cup. Give me some extra brain power for this, uh, last week's podcast. I don't know if it's any good or not. I, I haven't got the feedback yet from it. Um... Last week's podcast was me rushing around trying to get that Honda CT up and running uh, because we're very close now for that thing to be running. Very close. And I was slagging, slagging, slogging, 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 working, um, grinding in the shed for about seven hours uh, doing the Honda C65 and doing, which I have did a test ride the other day with Mr. Hippodrones and it was fantastic. Anyway, so today's subject is going to be as from the title, Honda Cubs, the two types of owners there are out there. And there's only two. There is two Honda type Cub owners out there. There is the new type and the old type. The old type is the best type. What type am I? I am definitely the old type. If you've seen a lot of my videos of Cubs, you see that I use and use them and abuse them. And that is what Cubs are meant for. Um, There was things called garbage runs. Not so many nowadays, but there was things called garbage runs, which was literally, you'd buy a Honda C90, drive from, like, John O'Groats to Land's End, or Land's End to John O'Groats, and people hated the bike at the end, but considering they paid so little for them at the time, you know, literally so cheap to grab. They would run on whatever and they would just keep going. Um, okay, might have to take a little bit more care out of them now because they are getting a bit older. But generally speaking, they are indestructible, little bulletproof and very cheap machines. So, I, you know, there's no problem with them at all. Zero problems whatsoever with all of them devices. Um called Honda C90s. So what, sorry, just uh, I'll put that down there now. Okay, so anyway, just as I was saying, um, maybe I'll put it up here. Oh, sorry. Okay, there we go. Um, so yes, Honda C90s are two types of owners that are out there. I'm actually going to look up on the interwebs at the same time and just have a look what's for sale. <sighs> but there are two types of Honda Cub owners. The people who Bought Honda Cubs, like me, for relatively cheap, as in under a grand, um, or a few hundred pounds. Um, And yes, I know that there were people out there who have bought these bikes for even cheaper than that. But 
unfortunately, yes, I paid, I think for my first one was £600. Um, my second one was... Um, I think it was £1,000 with delivery. Um, and then it was... The next one after that was £700, but I picked that one up. Then the next one after that was... Seven hundred pounds, but I picked that one up. Uh, the Honda CT was two and a half grand. No, sorry, two grand with delivery. Um, so yes, the prices do go up. And the latest one I bought was one thousand four hundred pounds. Um, so yes, there are two types of Honda Cub owners out there. There's the Honda Cubs that who really, really, really 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 like to own the bikes and we use them and abuse them we buy them cheap we rag them senseless and then you've got this new type of honda cub owner the ones who have seen the silly prices of honda cubs they bought them as investments they've done them up they pimped them up and then they try to sell them on hence why we get these ridiculous prices um at the moment as of recording there is a honda cub for sale and it has been listed interestingly, so let me go through the uh, the, the features. It is a... Um, so it's a weird one because it's got a Honda CR front end and a Honda CR rear end and air suspension, twin shocks, disc brakes, front and rear, converted... Um, 110cc engine, so basically it's not even a Honda C90. Uh, okay, okay, it's a C90 frame, like the middle bits of frame, but it's got the brace bar, it's got big wheels, big tyres, it's got a standard seat, um, it's got a new horn, for some reason he's done key relocation, whatever, that, that that's nothing. Um, bike has a logbook. This is the thing that's bizarre. Bike has a logbook, but unfortunately I was told the bike has been cloned and will now need to be re-registered as a Q-plate to put back on the road. The bike mileage is unknown. So, that's really... If you've got a not Life and 110 in there, then it doesn't actually matter, really, because you know that the mileage is not going to be super high because um, it's a new engine. Or newer than the Honda Cub engine is. I mean, it looks okay. It looks like a dirt bike, you know. I, I mean, it's not a very... Anyway, he wants £1,500 for this bike. Now, is it worth one and a half grand? I guess if you were to, like, build that bike yourself and you looked at all the little bits that he's added and everything, okay, fine, I could see where it could be possibly worth £1,500. However, this bike, looking at it... I wouldn't pay one thousand five. I wouldn't even pay seven hundred pounds for this bike. It's a mess. It's not even like you lose that spirit of the cub. So trying to sell this cub in a cub-related um, forum um, would no one really wants it. Um, downside is that because it has been drastically changed. Um, the wheels and suspension have been changed. Oh, actually, hang on. So the rules for being a historical vehicle. So this is actually quite interesting. So the rules for being... This is why people kind of want a cub like what I've got, because they are classes, historical classics. You no longer need to take them for MOTs, and you no longer have to tax them. 
if the bike still can be classed as a historical vehicle. So, for a motorbike to be classed as a historical vehicle, it needs to be running original suspension or similar stock, original wheels, um, so wheels and suspension, so you need to meet two out of four, minimum, it's two out of four, there's four things, it's engine, gear bo- engine and gearbox needs to be the same or similar, wheels and suspension needs to be the same or similar. So, for instance, the Honda CT, um, I'm going to do an engine swap on that. Well, I've done the engine swap. Uh, But it's got the original suspension, it's got the original wheels, and it has an engine that is the same gearbox and same engine. So it's it's, it's still classed as a historical classic. Uh, My Honda C50 has a 110cc engine in. No, it's not the original engine. No, it's not the original gearbox. But the suspension and wheels are. So it can still be classed as a historical classic. There is... A limit to that. If it's changed too drastically, then it can no longer be classed as a historical vehicle. This bike here that I'm looking at is an interesting mashup of uh, a dirt bike and a Honda Cub. With, but it's so expensive. You might be much better off buying something else. I mean, seven hundred quid maybe, but you can't. You, the thing is, it's one and a half grand. You can't even ride it. But this is the price of Cubs nowadays. Which we are losing that spirit of cubs. We are losing that. Um, we're losing the the fact that there is, there was, that they've gone really underground now. So I, there there are cub rallies going ahead this year. Um, it's the first time they 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 did a couple of small ones last year. I'm talking like six or eight people. There wasn't very many people at all. They were so underground. I didn't know about them. And I try to keep, you know, up to date with them. But they were really, really underground. It was literally just organised between a few friends because of COVID and stuff. But this time, there is some cub rallies going ahead um, this year. But I'm not going to tell you when they are or where they are because they are now completely hidden. They used to be much more public. Um, They used to be, everyone used to be welcome on them. They used to, you know, invite people on Facebook to come along. But now the internet's got to a point now. I think it was like 2018 or 2017. There was a couple of rides um, where a load of Grom people would show up on the day. Because Honda Cub, Honda Grom, let's face it, they are that similar thing. Different mindset of people, that's the problem. Honda Groms, people spend most of the day on the back wheel. The... um, Honda Cubs, we spend our day on the back wheel, but it's a different type of wheelie, isn't it? Let's face it. With a Honda Cub, it's kind of like a laugh. With a with a Grom, you just you're just a hooligan. There's something different about wheeling a Cub to wheeling a a, a Grom. I think it's a different. Like no one sees it as oh, look at that bike doing a wheelie. It's oh, look at that hooligan doing a wheelie, or look at that little Honda scooter. Or isn't it funny doing a wheelie? You know, it's not as uh, offensive, I guess. Um, no, no, I'm only joking. There's, there's, but the the main thing is that people. There's two different types of camp of people. So it's like on one side you've got people who like to buy these bikes, like me, use them, abuse them, thrash them, scream them. Uh, when the engine blows up, you stick in another engine. You know that sort of thing. Don't care if it's a Honda. Don't care if it's a Lifan. As long as it's a reliable engine, that that design has pretty much been perfected. Now let's face it, it's been like 50 plus years that engine design has been out there Japan, China, whoever makes it 
you can't go too far wrong um, with these bikes. Engines are quite simple. Um, but yes, and then you've got the secondary camp of people who have bought into them and they're very expensive. So they might come along into these camping trips with their very expensive, lovely Honda Cub, right? And when the trail, when the road runs out and it, it, we end up going across a field or we end up going down a byway or something like that or in certain cases footpaths um but no one's around and it's in the middle of nowhere so if we weren't there and is it illegal to ride a motorbike down a footpath yes yes it is did we well um the motorbikes were going along the footpaths off-road um i mean you could the the amount of damage that a honda cub can do to a footpath a muddy footpath is uh not a lot because uh yeah they, they don't have a lot of weight they don't do any i mean i think a but it would probably be mistaken for a bicycle tire if someone was to go there and investigate the location that these honda scooters quite a few of them went off-road they'll just say oh Quite a few cyclists went through here. That's, that's all they'd say because the uh, the wheels are so skinny. Um, but that's the sort of um, day out sometimes on a on a Honda Cub ride. Uh, yes, but they they do end up a little bit off road sometimes. Usually the trails are quite tame, but a couple of times it has been quite um, expert level. Uh, uh, some some byways have been pretty challenging. Stuff that I wouldn't actually want to take my BMW down, let alone uh, one of my nice cubs now. Absolutely not. I would uh, probably wouldn't go down one of them. Some of them are pretty nasty. But then you get these people who have these lovely polished Honda cubs. Will they take their cub off-road? Absolutely not. They'll get the right hump. In fact, they probably don't even like camping. Uh, but yeah, there's a few different people out there who are uh, different mindsets, shall we say. But now we've got this we're at this point now, we're at this tipping point where the Honda Cub prices are starting to drop. Um, so the, the 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 lockdowns have finished, the phases have ended, people aren't doing any lockdown stuff anymore. Uh, I mean, project bikes and stuff like that were going silly money. I mean, car prices are going through the roof at the moment as well. So as, as car prices start to go up, or start to go down or whatever. But yeah, car prices are getting silly now. Who knows, motorbike prices might be affected as well. Um, but old cars, you used to buy an old car, like just to run around for a, a year for like a couple of hundred pounds. Now it's like, does it run? Does it have an MOT? Yes, a grand. So motorbike prices have fluctuated a bit, but cubs are going down in price now. So if, if you do want a cub, hold out, because I reckon they're going to come back down in price. I reckon they're going to start coming down. Because you can get, if we just go onto eBay, Honda Cub, click. Uh, 1.6 gets you um, something very, very nice. £1,100, what does that get you? Gets you a running cub without an MOT, is this? No, no MOT till next year. Oh, wow, that's good. And then, yeah, there's, there's a few bikes around... Um, but yeah, you're looking at a grand at the moment for it. You could get a very, very nice cub for under two. Oh, there's an okay, and I wouldn't recommend getting a sixties. 
or a 70s uh, Cub. Uh, you want something, you want the classic, the 90 Cub, the the one that you see, or the one that Ed Marsh um, drives. You don't want the older style. There is big differences um, in availability for parts. Um, round headlight models, that's the one. Do If you're going to buy a Cub, don't get a round headlight model. The parts are much more expensive. They're much more, they're much harder to come by. They are. There are much rest and race. Oh, that's interesting. I'm just looking at right now. I've just found a for sale is a Honda CT, a, a CT200, which is, um, yes, I know Honda, they just keep changing. It's a CT200, which is actually a CT90 or 90cc. It's a ratty one, though. It is a ratty, ratty one. The airbox is a different location on these ones. Um, yeah, they're a bit different. I don't, I don't know if I like these ones or whatever. But yeah, the availability is a bit harder to find on the uh, round headlight models. Um, they're a bit rarer, so I don't know if I can recommend getting one of them. But the thing is, it's just it's Honda Cubs, isn't it? They, the price always fluctuates a little bit. But yeah, they are overall. They're coming down. They're not on silly money at the moment. So if you do want to get, a, I mean, yeah, there is the odd cup here and there. I can see for three grand, three grand. Um, but there is a few places around you can pick them up. You can get some for extraordinary condition. Um, but yeah, the latest one I bought, the Honda C65. I'll tell you about that. The Honda C65. I have got a Japanese Honda C65. There is. Um, now, I don't know exactly, so I've got a Honda C65, I don't know exactly, so I've got a two-seater model, but they did a one-seater model as well, like a single-seat version, and the differences between the single-seat, uh, so the single-seat version, you get a nice big rear rack, which is um, like the PC50 rack, but it's quite a decent-sized rack, you get a nice big decent-sized rear rack with that, um, it's a single-seater. The one I've got has foot pegs. It's a two-seater bike, but the, the big difference is that it has these weird indicators that are like rectangular, uh, which are more to do more like the Honda C200 indicators I've got. Um, but the Honda C65 single-seat edition has round indicators. So that makes things like screens, like fitting the, the, the fairings and stuff, they make them completely different. Um, makes the fitting adjustments completely different. Makes yeah, just makes getting parts for it even that much more harder. So it's yeah, it's not easy getting these um, old motorbike parts sometimes. But the Honda C65 is now probably the rarest bike I own. Um, I 100% is the rarest bike I own. The Honda C65 and it's. This, it's not the single seat edition, it's the two seat edition. And you can, the problem is, I don't have the original engine, I don't have, I have the original seat, but the original seat's tatty, so I might send it away to get refurbished properly. Um, I did look it up, it doesn't have round indicators, it has rectangular indicators, so I will have to get some, like on the C200, they have like little rectangular indicators. Ugh. I haven't had my coffee this morning. Let's have another sip. 
So they have little rectangular indicators. Makes my C65 very rare, and I still have yet to see one of mine for sale, like that style. I've seen the single-seater one, a few single-seaters going around, and they want like £2,000 for it. I would like to find an original engine for it, but I doubt I will. It would be nice to give it justice and put everything back to original, but realistically, I don't think I will. It will be too expensive, and I just kind of want to use the bike as a little cool runaround, which it is. I do possibly need to change the shocks on it, though, because they are just incredibly hard. I've got a new exhaust coming and everything, so hopefully, hopefully, within the next few weeks, the bike should be running even better and quieter, rather than, rather than it's screaming at now with that exhaust that's been drilled. But there'll be some... But you've probably seen the videos, because I don't know which order it's going to come out in, but there was a ride I did the other day, and it was a disaster, and there was a ride that I did recently, and it was absolutely fine. But that video isn't out as of recording yet. It's actually on my computer right now, rendering. Um, but yes, that's the two types of cub owners that are there. Right, so, as we didn't have a Black Book episode last week, let me grab my... Uh, where is it? Ugh! Get up. Uh, let's uh, have a look for the black book. That's not the black book. Uh, my black book. My black book. My little diary of interesting things that happened. Happens over the past. What is it? 10, 10, 15 years of working in the catering industry. Oh, where is my black book? Ah, oh, there is my black book. It's like a diary. The 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 um the the back the book is actually black as well. Uh, let's just turn to a random page. Um. <laughs> uh, I think I talked about overselling rooms on a previous episode, but this is overselling car parking spaces. So park and fly. Doesn't matter which hotel you're at. It can be a nightmare if not controlled properly. So park and fly, you come to the hotel. So, and it's like, why would you do that? Well, if you live somewhere in the north, say you live up north and you want to come to, say, Gatwick, which is what people did. They come all the way down to Gatwick Airport. And as they're at Gatwick Airport, they will uh, park their car at the hotel, check in, stay in the room, next morning take a taxi from the hotel to the airport catch their flights off on the holidays come back to the hotel then you know um whenever their flight comes in they can either stay a night um they can either stay a night at the hotel and then drive back the next day or they can get in their car and drive home the same day um it depends really on how people are, whatever. Uh, but yes, uh, they usually pick up their car and off they go. Whatever. And it's really easy because then you just... It's more expensive to do it that way. But it's convenience because you don't have to, like, park your car at another... Uh, like, a, an actual, like, airport ho- uh, airport parking thing. Catch a bus from the airport parking area or a taxi and then drive to the uh, uh, airport. So, so what they do is they do just that. They just drive to the hotel. Anyway, they get to the hotel, and it doesn't matter which hotel 
it, it, it gets rammed in summertime. Um, and people often have to park, like, sometimes we box cars in, it depends where I've worked at, but sometimes we take the keys off of them, we box the cars in together, so you have, like, these long lines of cars, like, toe-to-toe, so, like, you you know, you can't, you know, the cars aren't moving anywhere, because it's all, it's it's supposed to, it is organised and stuff, so the cars are parked in the, the correct way sort of thing, um, Annoyingly though, annoyingly though, what happens is uh, sometimes, so all these cars are parked in, you know, so sometimes you can have like, to get one car out, sometimes you have to move five cars to get one car out. Now, very rarely does that happens if it's really organised, but say for instance someone comes back from a flight from a holiday early, or they had to come back early for an emergency or something like that, so you've got, which... Let's just say, for instance, yes, this one time it happened. So someone came back from a holiday as an emergency, of course. They had parked the car at the hotel. They had shown up at the hotel at like 2 o'clock in the morning. They know that it's probably a two-hour drive or three-hour drive from their house, uh, from the hotel back to their home. Um, Probably a family emergency or something like that. Not entirely sure. Whatever. Anyway. They get to the hotel at two o'clock in the morning and there's two night receptionists on, 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 um, usually, and usually one porter. Um, so three people are only working during the night shifts, usually. And, uh, you might think that's a bit low. That is actually really high. Uh, some hotels have even less, uh, some hotels usually, there's some hotels, the cheap ones have one, have one member of staff working usually for a few hours alone like between like midnight and 5 a.m or something usually one person is on um but yes what happens so we've got three people uh unfortunately there is this car is packed five deep so the receptionist has to go to the back office pick up the keys for the five first of all he has to go out to the car park find out where the car is find that their car's blocked in. He has to come back to reception. By the way, this is at least a five-minute walk, by the way. Comes back to reception, finds the keys for the other four cars that are in the way, or five cars, goes back out to the thing. At this point, the guest has followed them to their, you know, their car, because he said he'd bring, you know, go out to the car park, bring it round. He goes to the car park, realises that he can't move it because there's five cars in the way, comes back, he's got five cars, four cars in front of him or whatever to to move. Now, this might not seem terribly difficult, but have you tried getting into a modern car nowadays? They are all different. You've got manuals, automatics, electrics. Um, How do you turn the engine on? How does it start? Some cars you just walk up to, you step inside you've got the key in your pocket, you find the press button to engine start, and that's it, and it goes. Um, In fact, we had once, we had one guest who had parked their car up. Um, Okay, anyway, so basically to move five cars takes a long time, and you can't let the guest help because they're not insured, so you have to move all them five cars manually, get them out of the way, then you can get to their car, pull their car out, 
they get in their car and off they go. But this is a good 20 minutes or 30 minutes. as 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Just moving cars for 30 minutes. That's That's a long time. And it could happen... I mean, it did happen like once a year for that sort of thing. Easy. So it did happen. Um, yeah, it sucks. There's not a lot you can do. I mean, you prepare as much as you can. But sometimes it gets worse. So usually guests will park their car up in a normal space. They hand their keys over to the receptionist. And, the rece- and then later on in the, the day, the car parking team, because in the busy summertime, you would have like three members of staff just moving cars um, all day. All day, there'd be three members of staff on on site. Uh, they would literally organise the cars, like first in, first out. You know, or oh, this person's coming back on the fifteenth, this person's coming back on the eighteenth. Let's make sure the cars in the right order. Anyway, this guy went to go um, move the car, and he couldn't. He couldn't move the car. He he went into the car. Uh, nothing happened. Nothing happened at all. Uh, so busy day, you know. Uh, and uh, all he wanted to do was take this car and add it to the thing. Take this car and add it to a thing. That's all he could do. And he couldn't move it. He's like, but this guy's going to be gone for two weeks. He can't be sat here for two weeks. We need to move this car some. We need to move this somewhere else. What happened was, I, 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 it is a modern car. So I, I honestly don't know. You know, I honestly don't know why he did it, but whatever. Um, I can I can understand some ways of why the guest did it but basically the guest had disconnected the battery taken the battery out and put the battery in the boot of the car so it took him i think about half an hour or 45 minutes to work out why this car wasn't working and then they opened the hood up because like, oh let's check the battery uh there is no battery so they thought maybe there's an auxiliary battery because some mercedes and stuff like that they have the battery in the boot um, so he opened the boot up and the battery was there just in the boot so they plugged it in but it still took about 40 minutes for them to just move the one car scratching their heads away trying to work out what's wrong with it why isn't it working the guest just drove in like uh, yesterday so can't be dead in one night surely um, but yeah then you'd have uh, then you'd park it in and park it away and that's it um, I mean a part of this like it was a part of the reason why I never got my car license was because come summertime when it got busy, um, everyone was, everyone who had a car license was told you need to go and help moving cars. Now that's fine. If you worked a normal department and when I mean a normal department, I mean a department where you have a lot of other staff around and you have like a set shift. So, um, if you're on reception, if you're on, um, certain other departments as well, uh, like basically receptionists and reception is a set shift, very straightforward, regimented thing. You come in, you clock in at this time, say seven o'clock in the morning, you count your float, you have a break at, um, lunchtime or whatever. Uh, and then you finish at three or three thirty or whatever, whatever the thing is normally. Um, but you have a set shift. You literally work between these hours. You do whatever is needed for you on that shift. Could it be check-ins, check-outs, whatever. Your job at this certain time is finished and you go home. That's it. If you were a restaurant employee, very similar. 
um, you would come in, check out, go in. You'd, your job, okay, your job could overrun if you if it was a really busy day and there was a lot of cleaning up to do, your job could overrun. But it was a, it was still quite a solid, like, you knew what sort of time, you went into work and you knew what sort of time you'd be finished. It would usually always be around the same time. Um, uh, say, another department, what else was very solid and regimen? Housekeeping was a bit, you'd know what sort of time you needed to be finished by. Um, but it was still like, if it was really busy, it was, it did fluctuate. There wasn't like a a set end time. Um, certain departments had them like, well, reception is quite a, even though it's quite an intense job because you deal with all the complaints because everyone just goes to reception, deal with the complaints. Uh, if you worked on a 24 hour bar, that's a solid thing because you would have someone come to relieve you. Uh, so you would literally, you'd open up. Someone else would come to close. Someone else would be coming in at like five or six o'clock or seven o'clock in the evening to to finish, basically. Um, so there was different... Uh, you knew when you were going to finish. It didn't matter. You can only have a maximum of three receptionists on at any given time because there's only three terminals, that sort of thing. Um, so there was only... You, you know, you only have so many things to do. Um, but when you were in my department, my department was banqueting at the time and it was like, today we need to do this, 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 and we need to clean all these big rooms. We need to get this room ready for a boardroom. We need to get this room ready for a dinner. We need to get this room ready for a wedding. So you'd start. When did you finish? When it was done. So if you took, if you, if you were there 16 hours that day setting up, you were there 16 hours that day setting up. But that meant the next day it was just run the business. And once once the setup is just heavy lifting, basically. It's just heavy lifting and it's tiring. Running the day, as long as everything's in place, running the day was easy. You could do it with bare bones staff. If everything is in place, all you need to do is bring out teas and coffees or bring out food and everything's there. You literally don't do anything. So the, um, you literally just have to be on call at all times, um, which was meant you were on call at all times. So if you were stuck moving a car and your page is going off, you you can't drop your, what you can do with this car. So I didn't have a license. My manager had a license, and he managed to worm, worm his way out of it every time. Um, the other guys in my department didn't have licenses for cars either, so we didn't do it. I remember I got told several times by duty managers, go and move these cars, literally handing me the keys. It's like, I only have a bike license, you don't have you have a car license? No, I have a bike license. Um, I don't have a car license. I can't move these cars. Because I knew if I was gonna spend an hour moving cars, who's gonna help me move all these tables and chairs at the end? No one. Everyone's gonna say, Well, my shift is over, I'm going home, but my job isn't finished. I can't go home. But you try telling that to a manager who's never worked in banqueting. You have to just leave certain departments, you have to leave alone. You can't pull them off of their duty or roster unless you know for a fact that banqueting doesn't have anything to do that day. Unless you know for a fact that they aren't setting up. But usually if they're in, if banqueting are in, they are setting up. It doesn't matter if it's not for next week. They are in that day to set up for something for next week. It doesn't matter if it's not for a few days. Their shift is today. The other two days they won't be here. 
the average banqueting person only worked about four days a week. But when we were on shift for four days, we're talking 12, 14-hour shifts, 16-hour shifts and sometimes, we would literally finish, sleep in a room somewhere, in the conference chairs sometimes, just to get up and do the next shift sometimes. It was it was like that. Uh, I think them days are dead now because uh, in certain places anyway, maybe in places that are still alive. I don't know if I could do it anymore. That was when I was like, you know, 18 years old and uh, just like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, I don't care. I'll do another shift. Yeah, fine, whatever. I didn't mind. Um, anyway, yeah, car park nightmares and overselling. Imagine overselling a car park. So you're driven, so you're driven all the way down from the north. It's, uh, you know, 250 miles, six hours. So you finish work at five o'clock in the evening, jump in the car, drive down, you arrive and you find that you have a room for the night, but you've got no car parking spaces because you've oversold the car park. And when I mean oversold the car park, I mean the car park is rammed, as in every nook and cranny is filled. There is literally, people are parked on the pavements, people are parked over double yellow lines, people are parked where they really shouldn't be parked, blocking doors, etc., etc. It is absolutely nightmarish. And people just get super upset because they can't park where they want to park, you know, or, but so it's not our fault. It's usually the computer or head offices or someone's policy somewhere. Anyway, what can you do? You can refund the parking, which isn't going to, it's like, well, you can't park here. What can you do? I can refund you the parking. That's all I can actually do because you're not parking here so you can refund it. So then they have to quickly shop around and find another car parking place for holiday parking. Of course, it's going to be a lot more than £150. It's going to be more like £300 at that. If you're doing it late in the game, late in the day and everything, it's going to be the same money or more money. And for the same money, you're going to park your car like another... That's another taxi ride, basically. Another taxi. To You're going to have to drive your car to the thing... Uh, your airport parking place, and this is like 11 o'clock at night, you'll drive there, you'll park your car up, then you have to take a taxi back to the hotel. By that time, it's probably like 1 o'clock in the morning, and next day you've got an early flight possibly, or you've got to be up at 7 o'clock in the morning, you've got your family with you. That's going to be, you won't have time to eat. You know, that is a that is a shattering. You'll need a holiday just to get over this um, holiday. Of, and when you come back, maybe it's a delayed flight, maybe you get back late, Maybe then you go like, well, you need to go to the airport to get um, airport parking to get our car out. It's another expensive fee to pay on top of. Oh, yeah, it's not a pleasant, not a pleasant situation when it comes to car park. It is a big stress in hotels. Rooms and car parks are a nightmare. Anyway, I rambled along for long enough. Ooh. Anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to end this podcast here. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, goodbye.